0: Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly writers club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab. She had that great job, tons of money, lived in New York City, and she was... (laughs) Poor Diego. is writing class radio and I'm Andrea Askowitz the teacher of the class and I'm Allison Langer a student in the class and your host for today this episode is about being lost i
1: stepped down
0: those moments in life when you have no idea how you got here whether to stay or go or where to go from here Did you land that dream job that turned out to be not so dreamy? Do you wish you lived somewhere else but can't afford to move? Do you wonder what life would be like if you could just finish school already? Have you ever reached that point when you're not sure you want to go on at all? For most people, our career dreams started after we found a good response to, what do you want to be when you grow up? The dreaded question. For some of us, college didn't provide the answer. It wasn't until business school where a professor made me list all the hobbies I loved, and photography stood out. He was the first person who didn't say, oh, don't worry, you'll figure it out. He helped me. But sometimes people get stuck in a job because someone told them they might be good at it or that it paid well, or maybe it was just expected of them. Sometimes we fall into a career we hate, or it can't support us. Then what? Diego's our audio producer, and we force him to write stories in class on Wednesday nights, then finish them at home. Finally, at the end of the second semester, Diego did his homework. Here's Diego reading his story, What Next?
2: After a bike ride through Hollywood Beach, my friend David suggests we check out a bar in downtown Hollywood with a good selection and vibe. We order some Russian beer, and I light a cigarette. On my second round, he leans toward me on his bar stool. So, man, what's next? It's a simple, meaningless question that could easily be answered with a, not much, man, just working. But the question leaves me staring at the concrete floor, the alcohol's effects quickly dissipating. A stagnant pool of water collecting dust and algae. I am at the bottom of that pool, silent and numb. The silence is better than screaming, better than bruised knuckles from punching walls. I am filled with regret. I constantly compare myself to everyone around me despite being told not to, despite being told everyone is different and develops personally and professionally at their own pace. But jealousy is a natural reaction when you want something that someone else has. A steady-paying job in the field they trained or studied in, an apartment they can call their own, a partner to come home to or at least bring over after work. I loathe myself for not having reached these outward symbols of success. Every social media post of a new job for a friend reminds me of my own shortcomings. I felt a new low when Jeff told me he landed a gig in D.C. One of the closest people I know in the media business, a friend and a colleague, was moving on up. My jealousy, apart from being poor in taste, is poorly placed. I am the only one at fault for not being a full-time reporter or radio producer or fellow at some institute somewhere. I am the one who didn't file documents, send the pitch, meet deadline, or have the guts to reach out to an editor to ask for a letter of recommendation. Fear grips me at the thought of sending an email or placing a call for such a favor. I violate their point of view by assuming I'm just someone that pesters them. It's a lack of self-worth that's left me planted in the same place I grew up, wanting to crash into a highway pole. I've never drowned, but once was stuck under a small surfboard in a pool in Fort Myers. My eyes were closed, and I took a big gulp of water. The loss of air in the lungs is the same feeling I feel when I think of the choices I have to make, where to place my time and resources, who to be working with. I don't have goals anymore. Most things seem to have lost their fun and flavor. I don't care much for anything, at least not anything that would make my family proud. Nothing that I think my old classmates would commend. What do I want right now, at this very moment? I want to be on the banks of the Twin Falls on the outskirts of Austin. I want to ride my bike through every corner of the city and give my brother the truck. I want a cheap motorcycle to cross the state. I want to ride to Alaska like Anthony, a local bicycle mechanic, did about a year ago when he was 25. I want to find someone I would actually like to spend time with and not just sleep with. I want to be at a peaceful distance from my family. I want the knots in my neck and back to soften. I want to forget why they were tense in the first place. I want lots of money to be able to do these things, because despite floating with the idea of living on the, on the road or couch surfing across the country, I keep those thoughts at a distance, like the pretty girls that approach the bar I work at on Friday and Saturday nights. I want to know whether to leave or not, to try my luck in Chicago, Austin, L.A., Atlanta, or New York. All places where people I've known from Miami have gone. I don't know if they carefully executed their move or just took a plunge and left. I'm seeing their faces. Jordan, Yohan, Daniel and Taylor, Carolina, Mats, Danny Leonard, and Alex J. They are the ones who pop up the most on my newsfeed, Constantly reminding me that there's life north of the Miami-Dade County line. I want to know if I should leave the country and teach English abroad, if I should take a path I never intended to take, one that grips my spine and neck with fears of the unknown. I want to know if it's worth living on my own in the city, if a $500 a month efficiency in Little Haiti or Hialeah is worth the time it would take to pay for it. I want to know if it's worth packing myself into a house with people I've never even gone on a weekend trip with for the same price, if putting up with their idiosyncrasies is worth it. I should just become a bartender and make enough money to live on my own and get a motorcycle. I want to stop drowning in a pool of anxiety, screaming, hoping I don't hurt myself like my mother fears. Above all else, above anything else, I want peace. An end to the nightly anguish, thinking about what's next, of what should be next, of what will be next.
1: Got it on deadlines, like
2: an astrological sign
0: Diego's story gave me some insight into the real Diego. Not just the guy who shows up, records our class, mixes the sound for the episode, and graciously agrees to our gazillion edit requests. Mention that he's wearing headgear, headsets, it's, earmuffs. He's not wearing earmuffs, he's wearing a headphone headphones 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 in class he they're really cute listening to the stories in headphones they're cute with these brown muff looking things on the ears yeah so his ears don't sweat Shh. where was I you know there was also a line in his story about not wanting to ask a former editor for a recommendation and I was curious was Diego scared he did a bad job or was he scared he would always do a bad job I asked Diego to explain what he meant.
2: So I just assume, and maybe wrongfully so, that by asking for a letter of recommendation or a favor or something that could, you know, help me get a gig uh, elsewhere, um, I assume this is going to to come out poorly. That's uh, there's either going to be a no, or there's going to be, a, or worse than a no is uh, you don't deserve this, or why would I, or worse than that you don't why would I recommend you um you're pretty much as when you're a freelancer you're a one man band you got to be the photographer you got to be the the reporter by making sure all your facts are straight you got to be your uh you got you got to be a sound guy making sure that your sound sounds good uh making sure that your questions that you're thinking of um will give you the will give you a good sounding answer um you're, you're doing a lot of things and if you're not well prepared and if you don't know what you're doing you will suck um i do feel that from where i was then to where i am now is it's Night, night, and day. I feel that I feel like I'm a much better audio producer, um, content creator, whatever label you want to give me, because I wore multiple hats. Much better. I'm much more advanced, much more organized now. And it's been really been a short span of time, but um, I've learned mostly by uh, hitting my head, if you will. But but there's a, there's a phrase in Spanish, "acabesasos," which is essentially like headbutts. You know, sort of you learn by by butting your head. And that's the only term I could think of that's appropriate. But I really have learned a lot by just messing up or by seeing how others have messed up.
0: Everyone's first job sucks. You feel like an idiot. You know nothing. College doesn't prepare us. The mistakes are inevitable. But Diego felt like a failure. So much so, he wouldn't ask for a recommendation. I also wondered if Diego was doubting his career because of how little audio producers get paid. I asked Diego to close his eyes and tell me what he would do if money wasn't an issue.
2: I want to ride motorcycles. I want to repair motorcycles. I want to work with sound and microphones. I want to record bands. I want to interview them. Um, I want to be in media. I want to work on documentaries. All those things. I love media as a whole uh, and journalism very much. Um, And I want uh, very few physical things. I want maybe my records, a couple mics, a camera, a motorcycle um sounds very hipster right now but uh I don't know that's pretty much it I think those those are the few things I really would want and so where I live it could be North Carolina it could be California it could be Arizona as long as there's work and I'm not poor I think I'll be fine
0: I asked Diego what he could do to be the best
2: um have no friends not have any social life dedicate become a become a monk to audio uh get rid of my cell phone get a flip phone that would only take calls for maybe three people. Uh, close myself in my room, pad it, and restrict my internet access to eBay, Amazon, and like a handful of sound websites. And that's probably the best way. I, and I, I, it sounds—I know I'm being—I'm joking, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of serious. Like it—that the reason why I'm not the best is because I don't make time to be the best. Because I—I—I I want to do other things i want to go on a bike ride and i want to also go photograph and i also want to go on dates and i also want to you know be with my best friends you know and i also want to try and spend time with my brother i have to live with with this idea that yes i i'm not the best because i want to experience other things and enjoy other things other than sound there's something my mother used to say she, she wouldn't no sorry she wouldn't tell me this phrase but she would say something to the effect of uh falling in love with money essentially and when I was younger, she, she was afraid for me and my brother that we'd get these like summer jobs and that those summer jobs would end up becoming uh, jobs during the year at school. And that then when we left school because we fell in love with money, we fell in love with, you know, whatever change we were making, um, that we just do that and not excel in our careers and not get quote unquote real jobs. And sometimes I wonder, you know what, I've gotten a taste for for bartending. I do it on the weekends. And I noticed that at the bar there's something real simple and analog and, and low risk about a bar. I mean, you know, like the risks are so much lower than what I've been handling before. And the money is, is all right. You know, it's not the greatest it's not the worst, but it's, it's lower stress money. And that's tempting. It's appealing. There's some jobs like that. Like that. I think, man, you know what, why, why go through all this, all this trouble of fighting for gigs and, and, uh, you know, and being a sound guy, you know, trying to, you know, balance this podcast and location sound and and mixing this, that, and the other. And like, why live in that uncertainty? Why live with, with, you know, maybe a thousand dollars this week and 400 the next, when every week I could be making 750, $800, you know, live in a shack somewhere. Sometimes that, that does come into my mind. Why, why struggle? Why don't you do that? I don't know why I don't do that. Maybe it's social pressure. Maybe it's, uh, it's commitment to other gigs, maybe it's that I like maybe it's me liking that pressure. You know, I I, I I must admit I did sometimes like the the pressure of the deadline, the you know, the pressure of, you know, being in the field. I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't I can't tell you why I haven't chosen either, but but there is definitely that that uncertainty in my life where I'm questioning what is truly what is truly worth my time. What is truly worth my my body, my youth, you know, what is truly worth me exerting myself for. Because I do exert myself, and I, and I do give a shit about what I do.
0: What I got from speaking with Diego is that like most people at 24, he's uncertain, confused, and scared. He's not sure he's choosing the right path. Will he be good enough? Can he make enough money? Is he missing out? I still feel that way, and I'm twice his age. Diego wonders why he stays in freelance production when his part-time work as a bartender pays more and is much less stressful. Poor Diego had to sit and listen to why I thought that was a mistake. Although when I was his age, I did the same thing. And so did Noelle Hancock. She wrote the story, Why I Gave Up a $95,000 Job, to Move to an Island and Scoop Ice Cream. This woman left a successful writing career and moved to St. John. The story was published in the April 2015 edition of Cosmo.com. If you haven't read it, check it out. After my conversation with Diego, I wondered if he needed to prove something before he said, fuck it. I know I did. I needed that MBA before I hit the road. It showed my dad, my brother, the world that I was smart and employable, that I'd done my part. I drove around the States for eight months. I took pictures of clotheslines and old barns, telling myself I would produce a photo journal. Girl Free Spirit discovers small town USA. Some people are not meant to settle down at 24. I know I wasn't. Neither was Noelle Hancock at 31. And neither was our next storyteller. Nikki Post is a student in the class and a regular on the podcast. Today, Nikki answers the response to, A time you started over.
3: I always want to start over, and I usually do. Even as a child, I fantasized about moving to a new town and being the new kid and remaking myself into anything I wanted to be. I used to lie to my elementary school teachers and tell them I wouldn't be back after summer because my family was moving to California. In high school, I used to look at my cousin's yearbook who lived in Santee, just outside of San Diego, and imagine that I would move there for my last year of high school and live with my aunt and uncle and go to high school with my cousin and wear those trendy plaid skirts and knee-high socks that the girls in her yearbook wore that I would never wear in my high school in Colorado. After I graduated from university, I started over a lot, every six months to a year, a new country, a new city, I've lived in eight different countries in the last 13 years, 11 different cities. I don't actually feel sad when I say goodbye to people. I might miss them, and I might understand the emotions that are supposed to happen when someone leaves or I leave, and I may never see someone again, but I stopped feeling attached. I've lived in so many transient cities and been a transient person that my attach that my attachment to any one person or any one place is never that strong, except Buenos Aires. I'm coming out of an 11-year breakup with Buenos Aires. I didn't want to leave when I left, but I left anyways. There was more money in South Korea, and I was only 23. I wanted more adventure, I wanted more travel, but I missed Buenos Aires more than I've missed most people. Starting in Buenos Aires was the hardest start I've had to make, but the hardest place to leave. Sometimes leaving is easier. Leaving means less conflict. Things can never really get that bad if you leave. Two years ago, when I left Boulder, my ex-boyfriend told me, you can't keep leaving. You have to stay and deal with your shit. I was never running from my shit. I was just running towards adventure. But now in Miami, I feel like I'm dealing with a lot of shit, but I don't want to leave. I want to deal with my shit.
0: In a follow-up prompt, we asked Nikki to write about why she's always leaving. Her response, after the break. Have a quick public service announcement. Writing Class radio is hosting our first live show, October 1st, 2016 at the lightbox in Winwood. Writing class radio will feature Anne Randolph, an award-winning solo performer and writing teacher. Details and tickets are on our website. Next, Nikki Post answers the question of why she feels the need to run.
3: keep moving because it's in me. Or it was. But I think it still is. I feel good in Miami. Sometimes when I'm riding around on my scooter I think, I fucking love Miami. It's taken a while to get here. Almost a year. I chose to stay in Miami because I wanted stability. I wanted community. And for the first time, after almost a year, I'm almost there. I loved Buenos Aires like this. And I didn't want to leave because I loved the life of the city. I loved Busan because I loved my friends. Now I'm loving Miami like this. And for the first time in a decade, I find myself thinking, I could stay. But then I see an article on Facebook with photos of girls around the world going to school. And I think, I want to be there. I want to be crossing that bridge. I want to be hiking that mountain. I want to be in that market. And I start wondering about teaching again or about what's the best country to learn Arabic or French. In one month and 13 days, I'll have my one-year Miami anniversary. And it's gone so fast. But now I have these friends, these friends I love, these friends I play volleyball with, these friends I have private jokes with, these friends I drink beer with, and I think back to that day in Barcelona in November of last year. I was visiting a friend, and we were at a bar with her Barcelona expat friends, and I was jealous, and I wanted that. But now I have this, and I like this. I may not be abroad, but my friends are expats in a different way. They're Venezuelan and French, Peruvian, Cuban, Colombian, Spanish, even a few Americans, and I love them.
0: stories got me thinking about why I left home. I'm sure everyone has different reasons. Most involve big events or big emotion. College, new job, marriage, divorce, failure. In Diego's case, it seems like fear prevents him from leaving town. For Nikki, fear causes her to leave town. And then she finds her tribe and decides to stay. I left Miami after grad school because I felt out of place. I wanted a simpler life so I moved to Telluride, became a waitress, married, divorced, and moved back to Miami. I haven't figured out where to go from here, so I think I'll stay. Next, student Missy Hernandez tells us about a time she was ready to give up.
1: My eyes open before my alarm goes off. It's six nineteen a.m. The glare of the TV stings my eyes in a mostly dark room. I wait 10 seconds to see if it will hit me, and it does. The proverbial elephant is on my chest. My stomach is in knots. I'm getting that nervous diarrhea feeling. I've gone to the bathroom so much, my butt actually hurts. It's been like this for 10 days now. I don't know which way is up or down. Am I going crazy? Am I going crazy? Where's my life going? Am I making the right choices? Am I going to be a slave to a paycheck forever? Am I going to ever see Europe or my family in Chile again? How did I get here? How do I get out? Why does everyone at church hate me? Does God hate me? Am I going crazy? I look look at the clock on my phone. It's 621 (coughs) AM. I can't take another day like this. Do I have it in me to kill myself? How long will they mourn me? What will they say? I feel like I want to vomit, but instead I rush to the bathroom for the first of several nervous shits of the day. My butt stings and my stomach hurts and I'm shaking. I can't take another day like this. I get back in bed and put my pillow over my head and cover my pillow with my comforter. I close my eyes and then I'm crying. No, I'm not crying. Babies cry. I'm wailing. I'm screaming. I want this feeling to go away. I don't have any answers, but only questions. What do I do? What do I do? I cry and I cry and I cry until I take the pillow off my head and realize the sun is starting to rise. I could have sworn I was under there for a couple of minutes. I look at my phone. 7.17 a.m. Why does the time move so fast when I'm crying hysterically? and yet so slow when all these questions are driving me to question my sanity. I call my best friend and tell her I'm going to call out from work because of a stomach virus. I call my mom next. I never call my mom. I never tell her what's really happening. But I call her today, and that's why I know that things are really bad. Mom, it's happening again, and I can't stop. I managed to get out between sobs. I think we should take you to the psych ER at Jackson, she tells me. I don't have the strength to defend myself or even get mad at the suggestion. I'm close to the edge. So close, I'm actually really fucking scared. I'll get dressed. Let me know when you're downstairs. On the way to the hospital, I can't stop sobbing. My mom is quiet and calm. She usually kicks me when I'm down, but not today. Things are really bad. She drops me off and goes back to work. I'm alone in a psych ER, and I don't know what the fuck is going to happen. Am I going to get Baker acted? Am I going to be the Susanna Case in this ward? Can I help you, the woman says apathetically at the window. I think I'm going crazy. I think I want to kill myself. I think I'm losing control. I think to myself, instead I say, I need to speak to someone, I think I'm having a a panic attack. Name, I give her my name and she tells me to sit down. I turn around and people are talking to themselves, talking to neighbors and getting agitated, people eating their hair. A baker acted inmate is wheeled in past me. Are these my people? Am I going crazy?
0: I was so worried about Missy after she told her story, but we're not allowed to comment on the story, just the writing. I said, I really hope this narrator is doing better now. Later, she told me, the narrator told a story that happened six years ago. The narrator is on Xanax. The narrator is much better now. Sometimes we need a healthy dose of Xanax to figure out where to go from here. The last story is from Karen Koyasol. Karen is a student in the class and currently sharing her stories on our blog. When we met Karen, she was a newbie at one of our Saturday workshops. Her story about rehab opened a world we were naive to. Karen's response to the prompt, What do you think of life? is next.
4: life was once amazing until it turned to shit. I used to live in New York City, an island packed with marble, limestone, concrete, and metal. I thought I was living. I'd wake up every day, get a coffee, go to work, make ads, eat dinner, go home, go to sleep. Next day, hit repeat. One night, as I worked feverishly under a small desk lamp in an empty ad agency, my boss turns to me and says, you need a vacation. So I decided to take my first solo trip at 30, It was my birthday. I spent a week in Ixtapa, Mexico, enjoying the sun, spa, daily margarita happy hours, and my own private plunge pool. Sitting in one of the hotel's tiled patios, covered with a straw roof, I enjoyed the Pacific waves pounding against the large gray boulders that lined the hotel property. During those glorious days, I devoured the Happiness Project by Gretchen Rubin. According to Gretchen, I was not really living my life, turns out I was only going through the motions. When I thought I looked fabulous, commuting on the packed subway with a Chanel bag slung over my shoulder, I wasn't really headed towards a fulfilling career. I was just traveling towards unhappiness.
0: Karen's in her 30s. She had that great job, tons of money, lived in New York City, and she was miserable. So what's the formula? I bought the Happiness Project. Why not? I'm only 48. I have a long way to go from here. I want to be the happiest me along the way. If you want to read more from Karen, check out her blog. She writes about why her life turned to shit, her struggle with addiction, and where she's going from here. In producing this episode... Diego and I talked for a couple of hours about why he lacks confidence in himself, why we all do. I think it's all about the imposter syndrome. Andrea is going to say, what's that got to do with anything? We've been talking about where we go from here. No, but seriously, I think it matters. When we feel like a chump, we flee. It's easier than facing failure. I think Diego struggles with that. Maybe I recognize it because I feel it too. I really believe that everyone feels like they don't belong in their position. I've heard Cheryl Strayed say it, Gretchen Rubin, maybe even Tim Ferriss. Or in Tim's case, maybe I made that up. I've been a photographer for over 20 years, and there are days when I go out to shoot a family. 20 people show up, all fancy and matchy-matchy and ready for perfection. And I cannot believe that all these people arranged their schedule for me to take their picture. Me. Me. Oh, I hope I don't fuck this up. I check the setting on my camera, the light. I readjust. I look like I know what I'm doing. I'm friendly. I tell them where to stand. I crack jokes. I make faces at the kids. Sometimes they laugh. Sometimes they look at me in horror. God, I hope I don't fuck this up. The inner dialogue continues. You've done this a million times. You've got this. Focus. But I feel like a beginner. I always feel like a beginner. When the job is over, I know I fucked it up. I want to leave town, move to St. John. Before I go to sleep, I load the pictures to my computer so I can look at them. They're perfect. Cool. Because selling all my shit moving to St. John was going to be a huge inconvenience. After I interview Diego, the recorder put away. We walk to our cars, and I tell him, I get it. If you ask me for a recommendation, I would have a long list of things I love about you and a short list of things I'd like to see change. Isn't that true for everyone? It's just human nature. We always expect more from ourselves. You're kicking ass, I told him. You got this. Do you feel like an imposter? That's the prompt for today. Set a timer for 10 minutes. Record what you wrote on the voice memo of your phone and send it to info at writingclassradio.com. Your story could air on our show. There's nothing I can do To write it all new. Thanks for listening to Writing Class Radio. This is Allison. Writing Class Radio is produced by Diego Saldana Rojas, Andrea Askwitz, and me, Allison Langer. With editorial help from Sonesh Chainani. Theme music by Adriel Borshansky. Additional music by Misha Morrell, The Boundary Birds, and Daniel Correa. Check out all our musicians on our website. Writing Class Radio is recorded at the University of Miami School of Communication. This episode is sponsored by the Sanibel Island Writers' Conference, November 3rd through the 6th, 2016. Sign up today, info at writingclassradio.com. There's more Writing Class on our website. Study the stories we study and listen to our craft talks. If you don't like the prompt I just gave you, pick one of the daily prompts from our website and time yourself. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours?
2: Oh
0: my God, somebody farted!
2: I think about it. I
0: think
4: about it. I
0: watched that video. Isn't that great? (laughs)